The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Positive Living. This is the program that shows you how to turn your obstacles into opportunities and your problems into solutions and how to make your dreams come true. You can call me uh, at right here if you're listening live today, which is July 6th. You can call at 866-472-5787. We'd love to hear from you. You can log on to PatriciaRaskin.com and get a copy of my newsletter and be part of my list, and I would really love that. Today we're talking about how in our society today, children are often sexualized and what parents can do to protect their children. My guest is Diane Levin, Ph.D., and she is the co-author of the new book, So Sexy, So Soon, New Sexualized Childhood and What Parents Can Do to Protect Their Kids. She was recently featured on the Today program. Welcome, Diane. Well, hello there. It's a pleasure to be talking to you today. Yes, and I just wanted to tell people about you. As a professor of education at Wheelock College in Boston, an international lives recognized expert who helps professionals and parents deal with the effects of violence, media, and the commercial culture on children. Diane Levin is a senior advisor to the PBS Parents website for Girls, the co-founder of the Campaign for Commercial Free Childhood and Teachers Resisting Unhealthy Children's Entertainment and author or co-author of seven other books. She does over 25 major presentations a year and has appeared on Good Morning America, Nightline, and Talk of the Nation. So this is a real mission for you, Diane. That's a good way to describe it. Um, I've been really concerned for a long time about a whole range of ways things happening in society affect children, and this issue of sexualized childhood is one that people have steered pretty clear of and as, as things have gotten worse and worse, and I finally just had to deal with it and try to help parents understand it so that they could really deal with it in the best ways possible. Mm-hmm. You say in your book that sexual images in popular culture are not designed to sell our children on sex. They are, but they're not designed. What do you mean? <laughs> okay, um, that's a good place to start because what we to understand the issue, one really needs to look at how children think and how they connect to the world. And what marketers know is that starting from a young age, and the book really begins with very young children and takes people through to adolescence, um, that when children are young, they're trying to figure out what does it mean to be a boy, what does it mean to be a girl. And marketers are trying to find ways to capture children's attention to get them interested in the products they're selling. And what they know and what they've learned more and more about Um, in recent years is that boys are really interested in violence and they're drawn to that and they learn that's for them and they want to figure it out and then they're interested in products 
like with the Transformer movie that just came out, but all the, mm. the media that goes along with it, and there's a new blockbuster movie every month or so where boys know their products to help them play out the violence from a very young age. And for girls, they've been seeing um, that they're supposed to be pretty and sexy and focus on their appearance and how they look determines their value. And to do that, they need to buy lots of products. So the goal is to sell them boys' and girls' products and sex and sexualization is used, especially for girls, to sell mm-hmm. these products to them. Yeah, so it's, 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 it's a tough influence because it's all around us. Exactly. Really um, all around us. And what does the research tell us about how children are influenced by this media? Well, it's very interesting. There's very little, re- I mean, there was much more research done, even though there was much controversy about the impact of violence in the media on children. But um, and gradually, all the professional medical, the professional associations, including the AMA and the American Academy of Pediatrics, um, reached the conclusion that marketing viol- I mean, that violence in the media and marketing violence to children contributed to a whole range of problem behaviors. Much less has been done about the sexualization of childhood. What we, one of, especially with young children, where it all begins, we've seen. Um, the most helpful report comes from the American Psychological Association. It came out a couple of years ago um, called The Sexualization of Girls, and they conclude there's very little research about younger girls, but they can say that by adolescence and early adolescence, girl, the more sexual content girls see on the media, the more they're likely to have eating disorders, the more they're likely to have low self-esteem, and the more likely they are to be depressed. So, so, Diane, since this show is Positive Living, I know I'm kind of getting into this early, but just so that we don't get so far into the negative, great. what are some things that parents can do Good. right away? That's great because um, it can be very depressing. And, I mean, one, one way to think about it is um, I tend to think of children developing two boxes in their head. Um, there's the pop culture box that's giving them the messages that are depressing us that we've talked about so far. And then there's the box, which is all the things that we want them to learn that we think they need to be happy, healthy, contributing members of society. Mm -hmm. And what's happening right now is often, I mean, the pop culture box is getting bigger and bigger. The family societal culture box is getting crowded out. But there are very few connections between the boxes. Often we leave it to children to try to figure things out. We may say it's not for you or you shouldn't watch it, but then they see it at another house. And the single most important thing I think we can do is help kids connect the boxes. Mm -hmm. That first we should try to keep the pop culture box as small as we can. Mm -hmm. So when children are young, we try to protect them as much as possible by having as little media and focuses, focusing as little on consuming Well, you know, I think that that's true, but then what happens is, and I've seen it in cultures or religions where they do that, but then the kids see this on the outside. You know, even if they go to special schools and they're in special communities, they're still going to see this walking on the street. That's my point. My point is we try to protect them as much as we can, but we need to know it's going to get in anyway. Right. And then we need to deal with what gets in. You're absolutely right. Patricia, that that um, children will it will get in, but the less that gets in, the better. Right. And the more we can protect them, 
when they're young, the more time there is for them to develop other skills so they're not as narrowly focused oh. on those gender stereotypes we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, give us some t- practical tips. Give us uh, one or two tips that you okay. can Okay, well, at that level, parents can have rules and routines about what children can watch mm-hmm. um, so that it's not a constant escalation the way many parents say it is so that you, you can watch an hour a day and they're these, you can choose from this, this, and this show. When a child comes home and says, but everybody else is watching this show, I think we need to then say, well, let's watch it together and talk about it and see what we think. And then adults often think they watch and they can say, oh, this is terrible, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad, and not let the child get a word in edgewise. But I think what we need to do is say, what do your friends like about it? Here's what worries me. What do you think? So that we start having very simple dialogues at a young age so kids know they can talk to us about what gets in so that as more extreme things get in when we're not there, they know we're there to help them, not just get freaked out, punish them, or get angry. So that the single, when you talk about tips, the single most helpful thing we can do is connect those boxes, talk to children, ask them questions, find out what they're seeing, let them know they can come to us. Let them know that we won't freak out even if we're we're upset or worried so we can tell them, here's what we're worried about. What do you think? They need to learn that they can have a voice, too, so that as they get older, Mm -hmm. they can, um, and more serious things start happening, they can come to their parents. Yeah, let's talk about um, abstinence-only education. I know you have some recent findings about that. That's a tough one for kids. Well, I mean, parents often ask, when should we talk about sex education with our children before we even get to that, and should we just be teaching abstinence only? One group of parents, one group of parents ask. And the fact is, um, it's not that children learn about sex that it's the problem. It's the lessons that they're learning. But they're learning lessons, for instance, that sex occurs out of relationship. We hear about friends with benefits. We know more and more boys are seeing pornography on the Internet Mm. where children are learning that sex doesn't have to do with caring and connection. And what we want children to learn is when they're young how to have good relationships so when they grow up they can have caring, connected relationships in which sex is a part. Kids are going to, when they're exposed to more sexual content when they're young, they may ask questions when they're younger or they may learn they can ask their parents questions. So schools have a very important role to play in doing age-appropriate sex education for children, and certainly by time, and and that means teaching them about healthy sex, which means talking about relationships, talking mm-hmm. about caring and connection. Mm-hmm. That that to me is the answer to abstinence only. Yeah, is is to right is to talk about the sex in, in context of a whole relationship. Yes, of caring and connect. Yes, exactly. Right and. There's so much happening to undermine kids learning about relationships in general mm-hmm. as well as undermining kids learning lessons about humanized, caring sex. So just talking about abstinence only as they're getting all these other lessons about friends with benefits and sexual, you know, early sexual behavior and objectified sex to me, is the worst possible thing we could be doing at this time because it basically says adults are not going to help you deal with it so you're on your own, and it leads to all kinds of unsafe and scary behavior. And 
undermines the, the opportunity for kids to grow up and be able to have okay. healthy sexual relationships. All right, we're going to take a break. My guest is Diane Levin, Ph.D., and her book, which she has co-authored with Jean Kilborn, is So Sexy, So Soon, The New Sexualized Childhood and What Parents Can Do to Protect Their Kids. Okay, you're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. You can give us a call if you're listening live July 6th at 866-472-5787. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hi, everybody. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin right here on VoiceAmerica.com. This is the program that shows you how to turn your obstacles into opportunities and your problems into solutions and how to make your dreams come true. Um, my guest today is Diane Levin, Ph.D., co-author of So Sexy, So Soon, New Sexualized Childhood and What Parents Can Do to Protect Their Kids. And Diane Levin has a just a long and very impressive background as really being a pioneer in all of this. She's a professor of education at Wheelock College in Boston where she's been involved in training early childhood professionals for more than 25 years. Internationally recognized expert who helps professionals and parents deal with the effects of violence, media, and commercial culture on children. Levin is a senior advisor to the PBS Parents website for Girls, the co-founder of the Campaign for Commercial-Free Childhood, and the author or co-author of seven other books. He's a frequent keynote speaker and has been a guest on many radio and television programs. Welcome back, Diane. Let's talk more. Let's tell some stories about, you know, parents who might have come to you and said, you know, I'm worried about my daughter or my son, but particularly my daughter, and she has all these friends who are, you know, dressing in very provocative ways and, I'm not sure what to do, and maybe some some success stories of mm-hmm. interventions. 
Well, um, first I want to say there's no simple formula. You know, no one answer is going to work for every family that it needs to connect to the experience that's come up. Right. Um, so kind of thinking about the issue and being prepared helps, but every situation ends up requiring new problem-solving and brainstorming. So, I mean, one example that really got me interested in writing the book was um, a mother who told me her 7-year-old daughter started crying in the bathtub, and when the mother said to her, What's, you know, what are you crying about, the little girl said, I'm fat, I've, I'm fat, I don't want to be fat. Mm. Yeah. And the mother was really you know, distraught. One, immediately eating disorders came to mind and hearing about, as, we've been, as we found out, more and more at younger and younger ages, clinics are seeing, girls, are seeing more girls with eating disorders. Um, and so this mother said to her, you know, well, well, what's wrong? And she said, I want to be pretty, I want to be sexy, like, like Jenny. The boys mm-hmm. all like her and want her to be their boyfriend. I mean, want want her to be their girlfriend, and I want to be like Jenny. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, so the mother said, "Well, what do you know about?" She said, "When she said she wanted to be sexy, like Jenny." The mother said, "Well, what do you know about sexy?" And the daughter said, "It's you know, it's when boys like you because they think you're pretty." Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, the mother. Um, the girl said, you shouldn't let me eat so much. I want to be skinny. Because from, from a seven-year-old's point of view, it's eating. that le- I mean, we know scientifically eating makes you fat. But, but some foods are better than others. And for this little girl, it was just the mother gave her too much food. If the mother gave her less food, it wouldn't be a problem. So the mother said, it sounds like you want to figure out a way that you can eat less and you want me to help you. She didn't say, no, no, you're too young to worry. She, you know, she respected what her daughter was saying. The daughter said, yes, I want to be on a diet. So the mother said, well, let's talk to the, the doctor. We're about to, you're about to have your annual visit to go see your doctor, and let's talk to her mm-hmm. about what she thinks and whether she has ideas about whether you should go on a diet and how you can go on a diet. Mm-hmm. And now it was passing the buck in one way, but what was so important about it was, one, the daughter felt she could tell her mother and she could be distressed, that the mother just didn't try to comfort her and say, no, no, don't worry, you're just fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, the mother did say at one point, but I, I like the way you look. The mother said her daughter wasn't even really overweight. She just wasn't skinny. Mm. Um, that's and, really, that's tough. So that's, that's an example of of what I think is a successful story. It doesn't mean that the mother can solve the problem the way we want to with our children, but it did say that I, I'm willing to try to help you. We'll try to solve the problem. We'll figure out what it means, and I'm your ally in this. I'm just not there. And, I mean, that's such a difference between and a story I've heard recently of a 7-year-old who's out on the playground who's a little overweight who climbs on the jungle gym and a boy on there says, you're going to break it. And other children on the jungle gym start chanting, you're going to break it, you're going to break it, and she mm-hmm. turns off crying and no one helps her. And now she won't go to school. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's an extreme story, but it's the kind of story where we, I hear about more and more as appearance and relationship are getting so undermined by what we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, let's go on to... Um what, you know, in terms of the, 
pop stars and in terms of the culture and the Britney Spears and, mm-hmm. um, you know, how do you deal with that? How do you help children deal with that? I know you said, well, one thing is you don't let them watch television, but right. they'll still be influenced. Right, they'll still be influenced, and you can't go to a store without there being products for those stores. I mean, when children are learning, their heroes are becoming the pop stars. So that when you ask children when they grow up what do they want to be, it's the pop stars more and more. And the pop star, what they see is just the glamour and the sexiness. And there actually are, um, you know, Hannah Montana books on how to have a makeover um, that are designed for, say, five, six, seven-year-olds, what they can do to be pretty. Um, and And so... So what we can do is, I mean, one, with many of these issues, there's dealing head-on with it, as that mother did in the bathtub, and actually talking to her daughter, supporting her daughter, and being connected to her daughter. Another piece is all the other things we help our daughters and sons achieve besides those pop culture images that they're getting, Mm -hmm. so that they feel really good as doers, that instead of always thinking, I want this, I need this to be sexy so everyone will like me, we want them to also think, I can do this. We want them to find things they're interested in, find, that, find things they can master, find things that they can excel in. And it doesn't mean every child doing the same thing. For some it may be sports, for some it may be music, for some it may be drama, for some it may be drawing. When they're, so, so that children have other ways to feel good about themselves and identify mastery besides just how they look and how boys relate to them or if they're boys how girls relate to them mm-hmm. I mean because boys are very involved in this too it's not just a girl issue someone like the fact that um, Hannah Montana and High School Musical and Disney Princesses are doing so well is something that worries me very much because Disney has figured out a way to market to girls I think better than anybody else before them mm-hmm. in a way that makes parents be a little ups- less upset than they used to be. Well, and I think it's all about, you know, isn't it still about being pretty and finding Prince Charming? They use the same formula, but it's less extreme in terms of the Mm -hmm. sexualization. In other words, there's Bratz dolls with the crotch skirts. Mm -hmm. And so parents say, thank goodness for Disney princesses. Mm -hmm. And they love, many mothers love Disney princesses when they were young. But the fact is, it is exactly the same content. It's just a little less extreme. So now preschool teachers tell me that princesses are the obsessions in their classrooms and they're asking for help on how to turn it from just focusing on appearance and boyfriends and girlfriends to something more. And I'm, there's, you know, I've talked to teachers who have developed some wonderful curriculum to try to make it be a much broader, richer experience that gets the focus off of appearance, but it's not easy. All right, we have a few minutes to break. Let's talk about, um, you know, what the government's doing. You know, for the past 30 years, the government through the Federal Trade Commission and the Federal Communications Commission has regulated marketing to children. Mm-hmm. You know, when did the FCC and the, F, um, you know, and the FTC lose some of their power? That's, and, that's, you know, yeah, how okay. do we correct that? Let's bring that back to the proactivity, too. Okay, great. That's really important to talk about because society should be helping parents do their job, not making it harder at every turn. And there was a big turning point in the middle 80s, which sounds like a long time ago, but it really was the beginning of a transformed childhood, which has led to what we have now. 
and that was when the Federal Communications Commission deregulated children's television. Mm-hmm. And uh, there had been a ban on mark. On, there had been a limit on the number of minutes per hour of advertising there could be. Although many countries limit advertising altogether to children, um, and the Federal Trade Commission, Federal Communications Commission, lifted that ban. And that was the beginning of using TV shows to market whole lines of products to children where we got the program length commercial. Mm. And He-Man was a huge success. Care Bears was for girls, but He-Man Masters of the Universe was huge for boys and really made violent themes the focus of marketing to boys as a result Mm. and for girls being pretty in appearance. But then there was the Federal Trade Commission, which had regulatory power, for marketing to children, and at around the same time, their ability to regulate was was taken away, was legislated away by Congress mm-hmm. during deregulation era, and, and there have been lots of lobbying for this to happen. Now they can only recommend um, how marketers market. So, for instance, my group... Oh, so, it, what, so we have to... What you're really saying is we parents have to kind of take this in their own hands. Well, yes, but for instance, there are ways parents can do it. The group that you mentioned, I'm a founder of Campaign for Commercial Free Childhood. Um, people can go to the website, um, um, commercialfreechildhood.org, and there we filed a complaint with the Federal Trade Commission about marketing toys for three-year-olds with PG-13 movies like the Transformer movie that just came out. The Federal Trade Commission ruled in our favor. It doesn't mean they can regulate, but they recommended the film board come up with guidelines for how they market to children with movies. And nothing has happened with it, so we're about to, you know, so now we're taking up the issue again. So we use parents and their letter writing and their actions to help us have clout so that we're listened to, and we've been fairly successful. Hasbro... Um, which is a toy, which is one of the biggest toy manufacturers, was about to release dolls a couple of years ago, um, Pussycat Doll dolls. Pussycat dolls are one of, are kind of burlesque mm. rock, um, kind of burlesque singing group, pop group of females, and they were going to release dolls on a line of clothing, and we launched a campaign where parent, and, and did media press release, and within, um, Within three days, Hasbro said they weren't going to release the dolls, and they haven't. Mm. So, so parents can 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 join forces with each other to and make help each plans, other. All but, right, but they can also say they also we we want to start lobbying the government with the change of administration to start taking this issue more seriously and right. see their role of protecting children and creating a supportive environment right. part of and their job. We're going to take a break. My guest is Diane Levin, Ph.D. She's a co-author of So Sexy, So Soon, The New Sexualized Childhood and What Parents Can Do to Protect Their Kids. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're talking to Diane more about how you can work with your children uh, in terms of protecting them from the, our sexualized society and giving them some healthy values and understanding what relationships is and what sexuality is in the context of relationship and love and community. Um, you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. If you're listening live on July 6th, give us a call at 866-472-5787. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. I can take care of myself. I can make a peanut butter sandwich. I can brush my teeth and I can give myself a bath. I can walk home alone from school. I can pick dinner from the trash behind the deli. I can watch the baby for the whole weekend. I can keep a baseball bat by my bed just in case there's trouble. Don't worry about me. I can take care of myself. If you're in jail, who'll be there to take care of your family? Something to think about before committing a gun crime. Gun crimes hit home. This message brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. Looking for a good time? We've got a show that will give you a wild ride. This show will make you feel good. And it's not even bad for you. You need your time to let loose. It's time for a feel-good party. Pull up to the computer, mix yourself a drink, and turn up the speakers. Happy Hour is here. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, it's called the biggest radio show in the world. Hosted by international personality and pundit Michael DeMarco. You don't know what's coming next. The biggest radio show in the world on Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com I'm Patricia Raskin right here on VoiceAmerica.com. The great guest today, my guest is Diane Levin. She's co-author of the new book, So Sexy, So Soon, The New Sexualized Childhood and What Parents Can Do to Protect Their Kids. Diane Levin is a professor of education at Wheelock College in Boston, where she's been involved in training early childhood professionals for more than 25 years. She's an internationally recognized expert who helps professionals and parents deal with the effects of violence, media, and commercial culture on children. She's also senior advisor to the PBS Parents website for girls, the co-founder of the Campaign for a Commercial-Free Childhood, and the author and co-author of seven books. Welcome back, Diane. Thank you. Okay, we have another segment left, and I'd like to talk um, a little bit more about how you help parents be better parents, because sometimes it's hard for them to say no. Mm-hmm. That's a good question because that uh, the issue of just saying no always comes up when we talk about this issue, uh, that the issue of sexualization and the media and commercial culture, that the, the, the mantra is if parents could just say no, there wouldn't be a problem. And, in fact, industry works very hard to make that be the mantra we all have, to say that it's, they have no responsibility in what's going on. It's parents' job to say no. And in the book, we actually, in, in So Sexy, So Soon, there's actually um, a section that's 12 reasons why just saying no isn't enough. 
that um, there will be times when parents need to say no, but it's how we say no. It's do kids learn something in the process of our saying no? Um, are they with us? I mean, are they in some way connected with us as we do it? Um, that there's so many things to say no to now that what many parents who try to say no find is they say no, but then another parent says yes, and is saying no to other things. Mm-hmm. So it's going to get in their kids' lives anyway. So, yes, absolutely, parents can say no, but that process of saying no would be, you know, process. I mean, one of one of my one of the examples, which since there, you know there's no foolproof way, was that. A, um, a a girl about to go to one of her first dances when she was 11 or 12. Mm. And um, they, her, she went with her mother to buy a dress, and they had a big fight, and they didn't come up with anything. And they finally, comp- they finally um, you know, the mother said, no, you can't do that. And finally, you know, the daughter went, she was mad, but she went in something she was really unhappy with. And when the father went early to pick her up because he wanted to pick in on the peek in on the dance, he saw the daughter was wearing one of her friend's dresses. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, do we want to push our kids to that? And what do you does, what, if you ground her Philip for a week? Will that solve the problem? Or if she storms off and is miserable at the dance because she wouldn't get her the right dress, is that? I mean, so so what we try to do is, is say to parents, let's try to negotiate. Let's try to come up with win-win solutions saying, I can see you really want that dress. Here's what I'm worried about with that dress and why it doesn't seem appropriate. Let's try to find something we both can feel okay about and then starting to look at them and maybe coming up with something as a parent that's not your first choice but that you feel you can live with and that it's not your daughter's first choice but she feels she can live with it. Staying connected in that way um, you know, I keep using saying connected, but I can't stress enough how um, we can have a much bigger influence working with our kids on these issues, even if they end up occasionally doing something that we're not totally happy with, than um, completely cutting ourselves off. So we're leaving the culture the um, opportunity to socialize our kids into ways that really are not healthy for them. All right, so, um, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, parents. How does a family uh, make their home, I call it teen central, you know, how do you encourage teens to come and enjoy uh, without, um, you know, feeling as though they're constricted but feeling as though they're welcome? Well, you know, and this is a continuation of everything I've been saying so far, and it really does involve, you know, involve boys. We haven't talked about boys very much, but it involves boys as much as girls. As kids get older, parents are more and more cut off from their friends, from their children's friends and peers, from what's going on. And the more we can connect with the peers and know them and have them know us and be comfortable with each other, the more that doesn't mean we become their best friends, but that we, but it does mean, you know, make if we have a place in the house that we can make welcoming. When my son was was a teen, um, he we had a basement that you know we said we could you know we helped him paint and fix up so we could use it as a place to hang out with his friends, and it really did become a place where they could go, and and. And that meant that we would talk to them when they went in and out of the house, that we could kind of get a sense of what was going on. We could see, um, you know, we could hear what was going on somewhat. And that means that, again, kids 
they didn't see us as the enemy, the one they had to sneak around with. Um, they saw us as people who could be around and who could talk to them, and then occasionally a problem would come up that we could help them with. Occasionally one of the friend's parents would call us with the problem they were having, you know, think, feeling like somehow the basement might be contributing to it, and we could talk about it. And it didn't mean we could always make it completely better, but what it meant was we were part of the equation, which is really hard. Industry works very hard to create a peer group. And we've heard about peer pressure, but I'm talking about something different. They try very hard to, to, to write adults out of the equation. If you think of commercial advertising on television to children, there's almost never a positive adult. They don't want positive adults. They think about how to get their products and the things that they want to be hot with children into the, you know, into the childhood culture so that parents can't say no. And, and that, so staying connected when they get older becomes a way to have an influence even though the peer culture is very strong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Diane, when you were raising your children, I assume that you have children. I have child. child. I have child, yes. Okay. Um, what are some things that you did that were very effective? Well, first let me say I tried many things that weren't very effective uh-huh. <laughs> because I want parents to realize that they don't need to give up when they try something that doesn't work. You know, you can say something, a child can say something and you say, gee, I need to think about that. Let's talk about it tomorrow. That was one thing I did. Um, another was when I said something and afterwards I thought, oh, how could I have said that? I'd say to him, you know, I said this yesterday, but what I think I really should have said was this. So that I didn't, you know, I didn't always have the right answers. And I think there's a lesson there because here I am, an expert who's worked on this for years and it, I was Still, every time there are many situations that came up where I was struggling to figure out the new answer. But I mean, I think one. I, I, can I tell a story that's not mine, but my favorite story in the book um, was parents who had a son when when the family had a friend who had a baby, and he was four, and he said, "How did the baby get in her in the mommy's tummy?" And the father said, "The parents said that the." Um, um, the father puts the seed in the mother's tummy, and the boy said, oh, and he walked away. Mm-hmm. And then later, maybe six months to a year later, and this was this boy's style, he'd come out of the blue with another question, well, how does the dad put the seed in the mother's tummy? And the parent said, you know, the father takes his penis, etc. Mm-hmm. And the boy said, oh, and he walked away. And he came back a while later, like when he was about six, and he said, I really, really want to be a dad when I grow up, but I can't do that thing with my penis. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that was the fact he could say that to his parents was so moving. And then the response was, you know, most children your age think that it sounds really, really weird, but when you grow up and you really love somebody, it feels really good. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, and he walked away. Then when he was in second grade or third grade, he came home and said, is sexy sex? And the parents said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, all the boys say that, that Jessica is sexy and, the, and, and they want her to be their girlfriend. And then they, so then they explained it to him that that was different. And then 
when when he was in fourth grade, he came home and said, I saw something on the computer at Joey's house that I think is going to make you unhappy. And they said, what? And, he said, and then he described pornography. Mm. And the parents were pretty freaked out when they heard pornography. And they said, well, it's bedtime. Let's talk about that more tomorrow. We're glad you told us. And then they talked about what to do. But that idea that he could ask them and use them as a resource was very good. Was amazing. Now those parents. One of the things they talked about before they went back back and talked to to their son was what to do about Joey's parents, where Joey was consuming pornography at his house. And before they could do anything, their son came home and said, "Joey's parents found out he can't use his computer for a month." Mm. And that's the perfect example of just say no. You know, you just say no, but you don't deal with Joey and what's going on. You just punish him. Now. I don't know what, I mean, the kind of discussion that Joey and his parents had at this point was much more helping him figure it out and sort it out and think about what he was learning. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you can't just say no either. You have to, you know, you also have to explain. Don't right. You? Absolutely. Explain and have kids have a feel like they can explain too. Exactly. All right, we're going to close. So give us your, your final message uh, in terms of So Sexy Too Soon. Okay, thank you. I mean, my final message about So Sexy So Soon is that um, we can really help children a lot growing up in this society to be able to have good relationships, to be able to grow up and have good relationships in which sex is a part, but we have to do it by connecting with them instead of putting our heads in the sand and pretending it's not going on or um, just getting angry at it. And we need to do it starting with young age. We need to lay the foundations when children are young, and we need to deal with both girls and boys so that they both can have good relationships when they grow up. Thank you so much, Diane, for being on the program. It's really a pleasure. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, stay on the line. Thank you. Stay on the line. Diane Levin, author, co-author of So Sexy, So Soon, The New Sexualized Childhood and What Parents Can Do to Protect Their Kids. And uh, people, can you can log on to SoSexySoSoon.com. Folks, um, we're closing up Positive Living for today, and we will be back with you on Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific. And remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time on Positive Living, I'm Patricia Raskin. Have a great Monday and a great week. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's book, Pathfindings, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. And tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Positive Living, right here on VoiceAmerica.com.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 